0: Welcome to another edition of the Conversations That Matter podcast. We have a guest with us today, uh, Mr. Dirk Wallstead, who has been kind enough to join us to relay an experience I want everyone to hear about. Uh, many of you have heard me say over the past few months, perhaps even more than that, I think it's been maybe a year or more that I've been saying a lot of people in situations that are very similar to, to Mr. Walsted here um are, are cannot find a church or they're in an area where the the options just are not good options and it seems like a daunting thing to plant a church yourself especially if you didn't have seminary training um it, it just it, there, there's a lot of things that a lot of hurdles that we're supposed to go through before doing that or, or so uh we're told or, or so many of us think and so um here, here's the here's the unique thing here's the story that, that we're going to be going over today uh Dirk Walstead has uh, been in this situation very similar to many of you, and uh, he has decided to take this step of faith and plant a church. And uh, I think it's an inspiring story. Uh, you can find more about it in print form by going to the link in the info section at discerningchristians.com slash blog. Uh, but I'm going to let uh, Mr. Walstead tell the story in his own words. So thank you for joining me, uh, Dirk. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. So uh, I want to hear from you a little bit. Start from the beginning. because um, I know a lot of people are in your position. You didn't start out with the intention of just planting a church. You, you were in a church, right? And then something happened. So what happened?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I'll just say like background wise um, to the church I was in. I mean, in many ways, I liked it. I liked a lot of the people I liked. you know, It was a sort of evangelical, um, non-denominational reformed-ish church. Um, but there were just things that were concerning. There were, there were things that, um, made me kind of question the direction the church was going in question the, um, the, just the commitment to some of the, the things that I thought were important. Um, you know, uh, just, just some of the resources that were being pushed. Um, I mean, one thing that was just huge, uh, alarm bells for me was, um, just the amount of people like Tim Keller, for instance, that, I mean, I read some of his stuff and alarm bells are going off in my head and, um, and, you know, and that was kind of, but didn't seem to be going off for the rest of the church, certainly not for the church leadership. Um, in, in fact, that was the book that was, um, his book reason for God was the book that was being pushed, um. Uh, a year ago when we were doing an apologetics class um so was, you, yeah you put ahead. a
0: quote in your in your blog here tim keller uh i guess had one of the ideas and i'm assuming there's a lot more than just this but he said hell is therefore a prison in which the doors are first locked from the inside by us and therefore are locked from the outside by god and this was something that you kind of had issues with and talked to your pastor about and the response that you got and and i'm assuming this applies to a lot of other Scenarios as well, just was not satisfactory. Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I know I had actually read previously because I had spent a bit of time looking into Keller and had concerns about him several years ago, probably four years ago I think now. And um, he actually openly talks about how you can't talk about hell with postmoderns the way you would talk about hell with um, with with more conservative traditional people. I mean, with those, you talk about it as a punishment, but, but with other people who are more into their sort of autonomy, you have to talk about the fact that it's sort of, it's sort of you doing it. You're in some way he's following C.S. Lewis and some of this. Um, and he actually talks about Lewis in his chapter in that book. And I have real problems about that because once you start saying, well, it's basically, you're the one who sends yourself to hell. I mean, there's a sense that you can talk about that, but um, yeah, you may send yourself to prison, but the authorities put you in there and lock right. you up. So when I, <laughs> I voiced that to our pastor after, and this was on a class on apologetics. Um, and I said, you know, the problem with that whole sort of thing, particularly getting it from Lewis, C.S. Lewis, who I admire, but I said, he's not an exegete. There's nothing, no scripture here, it's just storytelling. And the response was, well, Jesus told stories. I mean, that's just completely unsatisfactory to me. I'm sorry, I'm not Jesus. I'm supposed to be, we're supposed to be teaching the Bible, not telling stories.
0: Right, right. And, and, And stories teach a lesson and you can tell stories to, you know, as Jesus did with parables to lay aside something that's understandable in the, in the temporal realm that makes sense of things in the eternal realm. But that's, that's sort of a categorical error there that, you know, if someone's telling a story and it's just false, it doesn't relay the truth. I mean, we'd never say that, you know, a criminal sent himself to jail, you know, uh, it, it's, it's the judge, it's the police, it's, uh, you know, the justice criminal justice system. Um, but somehow we switch and, and, and I've heard this same line before and we start softening hell from unbelievers. where we're playing around with doctrine. And I think you, you were right to have a red flag go up. Um, I, I want people to understand something here as we, we go through kind of your story too. And you did not just kind of willy nilly. I don't like something I heard and I'm going to just leave the church. There's a lot of people that do that. Um, but it, it it sounds to me like from from your experience, though, that there was you tried, you tried to go through the proper channels um, to, to you know, make your concerns known. And it was just over and over you, you were getting kind of failures of leadership and unsatisfactory answers. And it just became a place you didn't want, you know, to have your family under that authority. Is, is that yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, I think. And that's how, it you know, like. I'm sure the leadership there would want to say well you didn't come and have some big like sit down meeting but I think most people would acknowledge how this goes you know you go to your pastor after an event or after Sunday service or special class order and say hey you know and you start interacting with them and you get very rebuffed and and that happens over and over where you're sort of like I, you just sort of lose start losing all losing trust in the leadership you start losing trust in the direction that they're going you know you bring something up and it's sort of like oh well you know that's just you know one point i was told well that's just because you're a baptist fundamentalist and can't get out of your own echo chamber and you know and i and i think even in the context i was simply saying i i, I just was sort of thought that two of the pastors their reading lists it just seems some some stuff that i was kind of like, yeah i don't know i was like well I, i'm not definitely reading different books than you. And that's the kind of answer I got. And so yeah. it's like, well, uh, almost seems threatened to, to have somebody who who reads and thinks different, if you will. Why don't you
0: tell us a little bit about their reaction? Um, and this isn't to bash anyone. It's just to relate to so many people out there going through similar scenarios, COVID lockdowns, and then the social justice movement this past year. Were, were those issues brought up? Did those kind of push you over the edge to, to yeah. leave?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the concerns that I had were concerns very much in the back of my mind. Um, there was some concerns about liberalism and whatnot, but those were very much in the back of my mind. I mean, I wasn't planning on leaving or whatever. Um, and then 2020 happened is, uh, you know, um, and like we were told specifically the church was like, OK, you know, we're not really sure what's going on here, but we're going to close down every other program on Sunday, but we're not closing Sunday down. And I was like, oh, good, okay. You know, like, because they said, hey, this is sacred. We're, we're going to continue to meet. And then three days later, they were like, oh, the church is just closed. And they didn't give any answer. They didn't say why or, or what the, what the um, thought process was. Which, I mean, just on that, it's very unsatisfactory. Not only that, and in a way, I mean, Sunday worship is a unique thing for Christians. But in a way, one of the things that was more upsetting to me is they actually said that all small groups were not allowed to meet either. They had to be online. And, and at some point, that's where I, as, an, um, a, a, as a man, as the head of my family, that becomes very inappropriate because, because now you're telling me, you're treating me like a child. I don't get to make that decision of whether I meet with other Christians. There was two different Christian men who expressed to me that they, they were concerned they could actually be uh, even disciplined if they met. You know, because it's like, well, uh, you know, the elders explicitly said you're not to meet. We're, we're, we're to do everything online, and yet several several men I knew, like my small group leader, was very upset by a lot of this, and and several times voiced the concern that he felt like we should meet, but he wasn't sure if that would, you know, be a violation of what they had said, and and those sort of things just seem to be more in my opinion at that point about not wanting to get sued or something or get in trouble with the government than it is about um than than it is about protecting people because you i mean you you should be able to let grown adults make those their own decisions and that's not even in the church building that would be in their own homes
0: yeah it's outside the purview of, of what an elder would be responsible for necessarily um if if some group of christians want to get together and i you know that's funny that you you bring that up because that exact scenario i've gotten so many messages about that exact thing like what do i do john when an elder specifically says i can't come into church unless i have a mask on or i cannot in the, the scenario you just said i cannot meet with Um, my own friends who are Christians to worship God because it's a violation of they're imposing their authority and saying, you know, uh, whether they're justifying it by Romans 13 or you're going to be a bad witness supposedly, or it's not loving your neighbor, all bogus reasons. But in my opinion, um, but, but that kind of heavy handed approach, um, I think you, 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 you spelled it out the way, well, that's the way that I've heard a lot of people describe it. They feel like they're not adults. Like they can't make their own risk assessment choices uh, and, and for something good, to, to worship the Lord. Um, so, so this kind of, this bothered you. What about social justice was, was, was after the George Floyd thing? Um,
1: yeah. So, away. and I think it's, it's important to point out as well, because of the events that were going on, that I live in Washington State, um, south of Seattle. So after the death of George Floyd, um, you know, we had massive riots in Seattle. And there was a section of Seattle that um, was actually taken over by. I don't know how many people in other parts of the country were following this, but what was known both uh, both by conservatives and liberals were referring to him as a warlord, yeah. who had taken over a part of. They 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 claimed it as an autonomous new Shaz,
0: nation. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so so we had that event happening, and um, uh, the church we were attending is actually not in the town we live in. It's about forty minutes away, but. But um, it's most of the population of the church work for the, the Navy. There's a Navy uh, shipyard there. And so most of the people, blue collar people, they work work for the shipyard um, or the naval base. And so when we have all this going on, people are concerned. Our governor won't do anything. He won't send in any sort of help. Um, I mean, there's literally a part of our, our biggest uh, city um, taken over and apparently is no longer part of the U.S. And people were were being assaulted there and all the rest. And my church decided to address, they didn't ever address, they never like gave a sermon talking about how Christians should view death or disease or sickness or anything like that. They didn't address any of the stuff going on in Seattle, but what they did do is do a sermon on um, um, on racism. And, and I'll say it was a, you know, whatever you think about George Floyd, we have a major racism problem in America. And that was a direct quote. Um, which I think right there you're begging the question yeah. because that's the very question that's, that's up for grabs, I think. Um, and, and the worst part of that sermon too was the church was going through Genesis and that was Genesis 41, the Joseph story, when Joseph comes out of prison and speaks to Pharaoh and that became, well, it, it, it this tells us that non-Christians are given insight by co- by God because see Pharaoh got insight by God. So we need to listen with to non-Christians and we need to work together for the good of our city and you know, at one point, the phrase was made, we need to, uh, we need to shut up and listen to black and brown voices. And, and I'm going, well, first of all, this has nothing to do with the text, like nothing to do with the text. Um, and, and second of all, like, there was no gospel, it was long years of hard work to fix racism. And I mean, so, so so we have all of the stuff going on with lockdowns and all the rest we have, we have, you know, all the stuff that's going on in Seattle, and here to a bunch of Again, middle-class blue-collar working families, you're telling them that 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 we have such a racism problem, and almost indicting them in the racism problem. Uh, it's it's just frankly absurd.
0: Well, one of the things uh, Jesus said about the Pharisees, right, was that they strained at a gnat and swallowed a camel. So he went after their sense of proportion and priority, and that's one of the the, the problems it seems with that kind of preaching is they're they're going after something that doesn't. It's not even really in the purview of most of your lives. Uh, and if it is, it would be certainly, um, it it would be a minor issue at best. I'm not even going to maybe concede that, but then to ignore the actual questions Christians have, (laughs) what's happening in their own backyard. Um, you know, that, that's the something that's, I think happened all over this country. People, there's a separation. They don't relate to the leaders in their church. And it's in the same way, they don't relate to the media elites or really the elites in any in other institution. It's like they're just out of touch with the lives that people are living. So you felt that way. Um, I mean, I, I'm assuming that, that there were ongoing conversations. When when was the time, though, that you just said, you know what, that's it. I, I need to get out of here and either find a church or plant a church?
1: Well, yeah, I, I had been asked um, – when the church was still shut down, I had been asked by my small group leader an older gentleman that I'm good friends with, he didn't feel like he could articulate what was going on. And, and you know, his wife was really concerned that she thought this is so serious, everybody's gonna die because I mean, look at, look at all the people she trusts, the way they're, they're acting, right? So she was afraid, you know, her family or whatever, her kids or grandkids are gonna die. And my friend was more concerned that, you know, he couldn't believe this was happening. Um, so he pushed me several times to write a letter and he said you I can't explain it but you could explain it to the elders like that, that just what's going on and that you know this is wrong and I and I try to tell him like I mean I don't I don't think like I don't think you quite know what you're asking um, but I did eventually end up writing a letter and you know and I talked about a bunch of stuff in that letter um, uh, issues that I had but ultimately my biggest issue was I said you know like uh, my concern, the thing that keeps me up at night is that my children and grandchildren will not be able to worship freely. Um, you know, I'm no prophet, I'm not a son of a prophet, but I saw back in March where this was going. And and I said specifically when I heard places like Grace Community Church and others, I said the, the church must not close because this will never end if it does. And I got rebuffed by people who who heard that? They didn't, you know. Oh, you know, that's just ridiculous. And so my biggest question was, you know, is this even a concern for you? Are you are you guys concerned enough to lay your lives down for the sheep? Because, um, I mean, honestly, like, if you go to jail but you can protect your children's right to worship, I mean, I think we take these these things really for granted in America. Um, and and I'll just say too, I mean. It was that, and also, and, and again, you know, the head pastor was told, you know, very, expressed his fury at me. He was very mad. The letter really pissed him off, he said, um, that I had just attacked them. But the other thing I'll say, the other thing that was sort of, and so my, when I finally did talk to him on the phone then, that was sort of the final straw. Um, he kind of made it plain that, you know, the opportunities that I'd had, I'd had some teaching opportunities in the church and whatnot, was I think respected there. Um, he made it plain that those were in the past tense. Um, and the other thing is that they took, while they had shut down, they took federal money, which again seems to me to be a massive hook for the government to control the church. And they didn't tell anybody. You can see the giving stuff if you remember. Giving was not down at all and there was a QA. and I submitted questions to the Q&A and asked and honestly the reason was well it's free money of course we take it um and so that wasn't brought so i was like well wait a minute you're locking their church down and yet at the same time you're 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 holding out your hand to the same federal government that is i mean basically the government that's telling you you can't meet i mean that is a very concerning thing that seems like protecting the shepherds not protecting the sheep
0: yeah i remember that um and uh Unfortunately, a lot of people took that money when it, and it's, yeah. Anyway, borrower slave to the lender. But um, so it, it reached the breaking point, and then you did something some people would consider crazy. You decided to to start a church plant or a church. I'm I'm not sure exactly what you're calling it. Um,
1: yeah.
0: T- tell uh, me, kind of went through your mind and, and a little bit about your background because you haven't been to seminary. I mean, what what kinds of <laughs> hurdles and questions did you have as you were considering this?
1: Yeah, well, I'll just say for myself, you know, yeah, I haven't been to seminary. Um, I I have had a desire to be a pastor for a number of years. And I've tried to do, um, you know, I, I mean, I have a family. Uh, I, you know, I can't, uh, I, I can't go, go to seminary now at this point in my life. I mean, maybe somebody would say I could, but so I have, um, you know, Try to get as much theological education as i can um there are great resources out there so so it's not like it's not like i'm somebody who's just you know i don't want to say pew sitter in a pejorative but as though i have no clue about these things but um
0: you've been a faithful layman yeah
1: yeah, exactly trying to be a faithful layman trying to read trying to study trying to learn all that i can Um, what was what's so interesting about my story is is that it isn't just the story of one individual who said, I have this vision, I'm gonna go start a church. Um, there were actually two other um, faithful men who, who started to take steps, and this is what's so great, because I think sometimes people think, well, I need to do all this, and if I don't have a vision, if I don't have all these kind of things, um, then, I, then I just can't do it. And so the way it worked out in my situation was my younger brother um, who'd been attending the same church and had pretty much made the same decision I had that this was not a place that he would be bringing his family to anymore. He actually made a YouTube video about how the ultimate question comes down to whether the worship and the love of God is the, is the most important thing in our lives. And, you know, I watched the video. I told him, I mean, we'd obviously been talking about all of this. And then something really kind of out of the blue happened. A friend of mine who, you know, lives a ways away here in the state. I don't see him very often, and I've never really had like deep theological conversations with him. But he's a you know cr- committed Christian man. He saw my brother's video, and he called me and said, "I feel so convicted about this that I'm going to hold a worship service outside." In a- he bought an old farm, old rundown farm. They're not living there yet, but he uh, he said, "You know, would you come?" And, you know, I'm going to ask your brother to preach. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll be there. Um, and, then, and then he said, my brother was like, well, you know, I'm just not sure. I've never done something like that before. So, and I've, and I've saw every, I personally, have saw every opportunity I have, I can get to, to preach or to teach or whatever. So, I mean, it's something I've done a, a little bit of. And so he said, I, but I told, I told the mutual friend, I told him that you should preach. And I just honestly, at that point was like, I, I, I don't, I don't even want to, I just kind of want to go hide somewhere. I, I mean, I don't know what this is going to be like. I, I don't know, like, but I thought, you know what, if my brother was faithful enough to, to, to say, Hey, we need to take a stand and, and, and worship God above all else, which is what, what my heart had been. And if my friend was like, you know, what, I'm going to just take a steps and, and, and call people to worship. Um, then uh, then I should be faithful to bring the word. And so I said, yeah, okay, we'll be there. And 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 I'll teach. And we'd been going through as a family on Sunday mornings, uh, Daniel, so we were in Daniel chapter six. And I said, you know, I'll do it, but it has to be in Daniel because that's where we are. And he said, okay, so, which I mean, honestly is the perfect passage. I was going to say
0: that you couldn't for, have picked a better
1: Yeah yeah it was it was absolutely perfect and you know there's people from different churches and whatnot and i mean i didn't know any of his other friends and stuff from his town and um and then you know people were like what are we doing next week um (laughs) I, i don't know i don't know and somebody opened up their home and you know and there was some of my family and other people and um and so since the middle of june um people have been meeting every week they said well you know, what are you preaching on next week? And I said, well, I guess Daniel chapter seven. Um, and honestly, that was part of it for me. I was just sort of like going, I'm not trying to start a church here. My wife was asking me, well, what are you, you know, what are you, what, what, is, what is this going to do? What, do? what are we starting here? And I said, I don't know, but I just want to be faithful. I mean, there are people, there are families, there are families who drive and have been driving since June, an hour drive or more to come every Sunday um, to meet in a house, to hear the word preached, and I don't know how to do any. I I, can, I have to honor that. Like I I can't I can't just go. Well, you should find some some I don't know church planner guy somewhere. And I'm honoring enough. I said, okay, fine, but I'm going to keep doing Daniel. And I knew that the second half of Daniel is not a section to do. And I kind of thought in the back of my mind, probably nobody's going to want to hear this. I'm I mean I'm not going to want to preach this. This is this is. Hard sledding. Right. And that second week there was a family, another family that was invited. She told me later, she said, I when you said turn to Daniel, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> like, I, I just what did I do? I brought my kids here. And and then she said, But you know, you just taught the Bible, like it was great. Yeah. And <laughs> so and it's just slowly been growing. I think there's about 45 to 50 people that come.
0: Wow. Um, well, that's a church. That's a church.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and most of the people, you know, I I didn't know them before um you know, I didn't know them that before the all this this last year before June. So and it's just slowly kind of grown and
0: So you've sensed the Lord's leading in this with through circumstance and and I, I mean it's so organic the way that this all happened where you weren't really planning it but it just kind of the pieces fit together and 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 all at the same time when they needed to
1: yeah yeah and like i said it's been my heart to to be involved in pastoral ministry not you know i've I've, some of the full-time bivocate, i don't really care i just i have a passion to teach the word of god and and so at this point like like i said i can't turn my back on people i can't um you know
0: well, what's your week look like, if you don't mind me asking, just for people who might be considering, hey, maybe I should do what, what Dirk is doing. You work full time, you have a family, right? So where how do you run a church? Or how, how do you preach and, and do these kinds of things?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I have seven children. So uh, my week is very busy. Wow. Um, and, and we have a small, um, we have some acreage, we have a small farm. I, one of my passions, I love growing my own food and doing that. So yeah, no, life is crazy, but, um, my week looks like, um, I, I try to get into the text fairly early in the week. Um, in the evening, you know, I, I've got, um, we do devotionals and stuff, a couple different nights a week. We do some study stuff as a family. So after the kids go to bed, I can, I can get two or three hours in a couple nights a week. Um, just to get some initial work done. I, uh, well, we finished Daniel and then we went through the book of Philippians. We just finished that actually. So it was, you know, first by verse section by section through Philippians. So at least in that case, you know, exactly where you're going to be next week. Um, But um, I've also tried to uh, provide some other, other ways to give a little theological um, help. There's people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. So I made a commitment to try to write an article every month that can kind of tackle a different subject or whatever. And so that's awesome trying to work on that so if i can get you know two three nights a week i can get a couple hours in I'm, I'm kind of a night owl so i can get some time in and then saturday is my main prep day and um so you know i'm probably putting in a good 12 hours um wow, on um, wow. the wonderful thing about doing it saturday is that it has to be done by sunday so um <laughs> uh you <laughs> the know hard
0: deadline yeah
1: yeah so you're you know you're climbing the mountain and then sunday morning preach and I feel um, kind of exhausted, try to get something done as a, do something with my family or whatever on Sunday afternoon. And I, I've, I honestly, you know, it's like, I'll, I guess I'll sleep when I'm dead, but um, I, I love it. And um, I, I am so glad that all of this happened. Um, I think that when people talk about burnout, I think a huge part of it is because they're not sure what they're doing matters. It feels like I'm just treading water, Mm. but I am seeing the people who are coming. And, you know, it's so funny. So many Christian leaders want to deal with all these big questions that are being asked, you know, whatever, in the news, social media, whatever. The questions that Christian families, Christian individuals are asking are about how to be a better parent. How do I understand how the New Testament fits to the Old Testament, you know? How do I talk to my friend who wants to become part of BLM and Christianize it? Like those are the questions I got last Sunday.
0: Yeah, they're practical. So, yeah,
1: yeah, they're practical and they're basic theology. And I think that's the thing. Like sometimes we, um, it's funny. Earlier you mentioned um, the whole the whole thing about um, I can the bigger, you know, the picking out gnats. You just talked about picking out gnats. Oh yeah. So, I don't know if you've ever read C.S. Lewis has an essay called Fernseed and Elephants." Which he talks about that, there it's, I about, I have, um, no. it's about theological criticism, and one of the things he says in there is that he says that the that for shepherds he's giving it to an address of um, English uh, Church of England churchmen, and he yeah. says in 1959, and he says that he says that the the study of for shepherds is supposed to be the study of sheep, but and only incidentally other shepherds, but he's making the point that the problem is that shepherds spend all their time studying other shepherds. Right. Instead of studying the sheep. Right. Now obviously as Christians, it's a little different because we're supposed to be following the good shepherd. But I think that there's way too much of that. How am I going to look in the eyes of all the people that matter? But Mm -hmm. honestly, all the people that matter are the people who I'm preaching to. Amen. And those are moms and dads and kids and, they have just regular world problems. They are not honestly all worked up about. I don't know whatever. I, one, a couple of the men came to me several weeks ago, and they weren't doing this as a rebuke. It was just kind of afterward conversation. But, but one of them said, "You know, I don't come to church to hear about the latest news headline." Right. And another one, I'm so tired of hearing the five-letter word. You know, Corona, like, or COVID or COVID, yeah. I guess. I and mean, it was just like, I just, I do not want to come to church and hear about that. I want to come and hear the timeless truths of the word of God. And it, like, like I said, we went through Philippians. Um, it's so intensely practical. And it deals with, honestly, a lot of things that people are dealing with right now, but it does it in a timeless way instead of the, the headlines kind of grabbing way that a lot of people want to, I, I think we're motivated too much by the, what the world's doing instead of what. You
0: know let me you know a few observations from from what you just said and, and by the way amen and and i i love to hear this uh i think it's very inspiring for everyone who's listening um number one one of the reasons i mean the, the main reason to be in a church right is to use your spiritual gifts to be ministered to uh that's the, the analogy of the body in first corinthians 12 and um it sounds like you were kind of hindered in that at the church you were going to before you, you had reached a point where you weren't going to be able to become an elder, which was your desire and exercise the spiritual gifts you have. And so that, that's one of the barometers, I think, and it's a really major one that people should be looking at when they're evaluating whether they should stay at a church or um, start a church, go to another church. Where, where can you invest the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you uh, to build up the body? And that, that was just one of the things I, I noticed that you were talking about. Um, the, the other thing is, is how this kind of all came together. It wasn't you necessarily um, just going out on your own as a lone ranger and in a huff because you were angry. It was more out of necessity. And there was a confirmation that took place with people around you being blessed by it, uh, show, you know, showing that you actually do have these gifts because it, it's ministering to them. Um, and you, you, I mean, you were telling me before we started recording, you don't have an official name yet. Uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of things you don't have that most churches, you know, I I mean, I've been through like Nam church planning classes and stuff. And I mean, it's all, it's so strategic. I mean, don't ever go to one of those things, by the way, if you ever (laughs) have an offer to go to like a Nam church planning seminar, please don't do it. Um, it'll probably just mess up whatever you have going on, but there's like a whole formula for kind of what you're supposed to do first, and, and, and you don't have like a hip, cool website I can send people to, um, but a lot, of, a lot of the things probably that you, you you do need will, in time, you know, God will provide those things, and you'll, you'll be able to kind of put them in place, but, but you have the simple things, the necessary things, the, the things that actually, you know, make a church a church, it sounds like, the fundamentals I'm saying are, are there and you're getting back to kind of like the basics of just worshiping Christ and, and, and final observation here with everything you just said. And I, I'd like to get your reaction to this. So it seems to me that the deck is being reshuffled because of all this, that it's not so much whether or not someone is maybe even a Presbyterian or a Baptist or a Methodist. It, it's people are coming together. True Christians are being kind of like separated from Uh, either false Christians or compromised churches, etc. And and there's a hunger for just simple things like worshiping God together, (laughs) like we're supposed to as Christians, Um, not going down the path of the social justice religion uh, and sticking with orthodoxy. Like these things are so basic and fundamental. Uh, You know, what does the Bible say about justice? What does the Bible say about salvation? You know, what does the Bible say about guilt and forgiveness? And like, it's, it's transcending denominations, it seems like. So I want to ask you, you know, what do you think about that? Do you have people coming from, you said you have people driving for hours or are they coming from all sorts of backgrounds? Cause they just hunger for that pure milk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. There's, um, there's people from all sorts of different backgrounds. It's something I, I wanted to be, um, sensitive to, because I think sometimes, you know, you get in a particular context. You know, I'm very much would identify as Reformed. Um, Reformed Baptist probably would be the best descriptor. Um, but, uh, but I think sometimes we're almost like you get in this little echo chamber, and and you start arguing about things no one else cares about. You know, I, I mean, I've been I, in those. You know, I, I know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have a friend who I I have a friend who uh, became a Lutheran, and suddenly in conversation with him, I'm starting to learn about all the Lutheran shibboleths you know, I started listening to podcasts by Lutherans and stuff, and I was like, man, it sounds exactly like the Reformed or the Presbyterian, or whatever chivalrous, <laughs> and some of that, like, I don't want to say those things don't matter, because I think they they do matter, there's a, they, they can help shape the direction you're you know, you're going in, you make certain observations or whatever, but but I think, like, the you need to have the core things right, and the, the core things, like, I'm absolutely committed to expositional preaching, and If I'm going to be in any way in leadership, there's going to be a text and the sermon is going to be out of that text. And the main point of the sermon is going to be the main point from that text. Mm -hmm. Every week I will die on that hill. Um, Amen. You can't do something topical. We're doing a slightly topical kind of a a quick kind of overview of the biblical story from creation to Christ to consummation in seven weeks um, that which I think is a good background. just a kind of good, like what's the overall story of the Bible? But every week there's a text and we're working through that text. So like I said, there's some things like that that I'm willing to die on those hills. But I think, you know, ultimately, um, I don't want to say denominations or denominational distinctions are not important, but it is something I have thought about. I think that we need to keep the main ones and the important ones. Um, You know, I, I saw something recently that was talking about, Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism and Anglicanism and all the different forms of Protestantism. Oh, we all just need to band together because we all love Jesus and um, fight against communism and the social justice movement and everything. And I actually thought, I saw that this morning and I thought, I actually think that scares me just as much as the current social justice movement, because we need to keep the things that are worth dying for, such as the gospel, at the forefront of what we're doing, and maybe argue a little less about baptism, if you will.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't suggesting an ecumenical no, move. No. No. At no. All. And, and I actually,
1: I know you're not, John. I just, I just think that that's where, um, I think, I think, being clear to people, like, yeah, like, um, you know, a, an Armenian and a and a and a Calvinist are brothers. Um, sure but somebody who's a committed Roman Catholic isn't and why is that? And being able to articulate that. And, yeah. and I do think, like, I do think like, I do think there's a lot of Christians who are not looking for a particular denomination. They're looking for a solid church where they're hearing the Bible.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That That's kind of, you know, just a little tangent here. I mean, you have the, the beard, you're, you're, you're a Calvinist. I'm, I'm, a, I'm assuming <laughs> I'm joking, but like, did you, did you go through the whole kind of the, the steps, the, the cage stage and then kind of, I don't know, like, the, the Young Restless Reform kind of thing back in the day? Like, was that you or I'm just curious if you're... No,
1: I didn't. I didn't. And it's okay. to interesting to observe that. And I'll tell you why I didn't. Because I grew up in a Calvinist home in a sea of Arminians. Like my dad, my parents were the <laughs> only, only Calvinists in any of the churches we went to growing up. And so I think he probably went through some of those stages. And I've ah. observed that people who grow up, people who grow up in those in those contexts don't tend to do that. Like, I don't think that if you grew up in a reform home, you tend to do that. But um, yeah, and I think all cage stage is because I've seen it with other things, other other um, doctrinal beliefs. I think all cage stage really is, is you think that this is the end all be all of theology.
0: Right, right. right. And as
1: much as I, I am reformed, I'm just trying to be consistent across all of my, my theology. I mean, I honestly, I have put a major emphasis in my own study in the early church um you know i i honestly think that people don't spend enough time on doctrine of god doctrine of christ um christology is woefully taught in our churches and i i would guess half of the seminarians who come out are very sketchy on a lot of details and and yet can tell you exactly why they're a baptist or a presbyterian right. and so i do I, yeah I, I would rather focus on those kind of things and yeah but, i hear you. But that's, but I would just say, like, that's where, um, that's why I didn't go through the whole cage stage thing. You know, I mean, I, and I, and the whole restless and reformed, I don't, I don't really know. I'm, you know, I, I watched the implosion of Mark Driscoll from afar, but, um, well, and it, I was say that. Well, actually, you
0: were, you me. were a lot closer than I was, actually, and most people because of where you live. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, to his church there. But, uh, well, I was gonna say, you know, I I don't think I fit the stereotype at all to a T, not not in the least. But there was a time that uh, I don't know, twelve years ago maybe, where I had kind of a, you know, I, I really liked John Piper and I liked some of the, the, these reform guys, uh, and I and there was a sense in which I thought, well, as long as you have that down, you know, everything else just kind of falls into place. You understand. Uh, predestination and 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 what, what happened I think it was a few weeks ago my brother and I were at a Pentecostal church because we were doing this project uh, not attending there as a as a regular uh you know attendees or anything but we were we were we were there for the um the documentary the Nini's deli documentary actually and um and, I, and I'm, I'm standing there and I'm almost weeping. And that hasn't happened for, for a while. Uh, and I, I, I'm in this yeah. church and I'm thinking these, they're just talking about this, singing about the simple truths. And I'm like, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. And, and they're, I don't know, they're just worshiping God freely. Uh, people didn't really have masks on in there. It was, and they're very adamantly against the social justice stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I may have like some theological disagreements with them on, on, on things, but th- these people, they, they have the gospel. And that was very clear. And so, um, so anyway, that's just my little personal experience. But it, I, I sense that in the last year, because of those two issues, like the COVID lockdowns and then the uh, Black Lives Matter stuff, it's pushed a lot of believers who just care about the basics together. And, um, and it's revealed some things uh, cross-denominationally. Big yeah moment. yeah
1: and I'll say it has been an interesting thing because again there's people coming from different churches um different towns different churches different backgrounds I have actually been amazed at how much of a reformed sort of like oh man I started watching every Votie Bauckham sermon I you know this is if one lady told him started telling me and I think she was watching mostly because he was talking about parenting and that yeah. kind of stuff more but um You know, and then I started watching Paul Washer and then, you know, and so, uh, so it has been interesting how many people I would say there's definitely a reformed ish vibe to most of the people that are there. But I think that's mostly because they've been searching out for good Bible teaching, Hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, right. Not because they checked particular boxes. And, and I would want somebody to say, I would want them to be convinced of reformed theology because it's what the Bible teaches, not because it's, you know, part of their denomination or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of people who are part of denominations and if you ask them why, they don't hardly know. Yeah, It's just what they grew up in or whatever. So
0: well, what, what advice would you have for people, whether they're Methodists or Baptists or Presbyterians or whatever, and they're in a church and they're going through a similar scenario. I mean, what would you tell them if they're having the same thoughts that you were having months ago, should I church plant? Should I, what should I do as a result of this? What I don't know if there's any specific questions that you'd want them to ask themselves or steps you'd want them to take.
1: Yeah. So, um, let me just first start out by saying, like, if it's something that you would, somebody is thinking of, uh, of, you know, doing or, or, um, you know, cause I heard other voices, other people saying, Oh, you know, it was just going to start a church in the area or whatever but that's very flippant and easy to say for somebody, you know, um, work. you know, my sister-in-law just, Oh, we should start a church. I'm not saying that she was being flippant about it, but it's easy for her to say it's hard for, you know, um, for somebody who's going to, yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, even if you're not doing all the stuff that evangelicalism thinks is important, if you're just preaching and teaching every week, it's a lot of work, but I would just say, number one, if, if it's something that somebody is thinking about, they need to make sure they're actually qualified and they need to be qualified according to the standards of what an elder is, that's really important. Um, but also they need to be theologically qualified. Uh, you know, it specifically talks about not um, not appointing somebody who's a recent convert. Right. And, and I think that applies too. if you've just suddenly got into theological study in the last two years and you're all on fire, you might need to assist somebody else for a little while. Um, I don't want to give anybody the idea that i just got you know a bug in my hair six months ago i have been studying and and reading and and, you know there's a lot i I mean there's some great online resources there's there's ways to listen to seminary classes um there's ways to do a ton of of study that aren't in um in seminary and so if if somebody thinks that they want to This is something they would want to do. They need to make sure they're qualified. They need to make sure that they're um, actually able to teach, um, and that they're not going to be ashamed of what they're they're saying. You know, there's a there's a and that's I'd say the number one thing. There's a the great story about um, Isaac Watts, the father of English hymnody, and he um, he was walking home from church one Sunday with his dad. His dad was a minister, and he was complaining about the music. and he was saying, the music is so terrible. And his father turned to him and said, don't complain unless you can do better.
0: <laughs> and so he set
1: his mind to it and said, I will do better. And I, I would just say that, like it's really easy to, to make pot shots and stuff. But if you're saying, hey, this isn't really yeah. biblical preaching, this isn't this and that, then you need to make sure that this is something that you can actually do better, that you can actually teach, that you can actually provide direction. It's not enough to tear down. We have to build up.
0: So are you saying that most of the hymns in our hymn book Uh, are there because someone took a dare
1: (laughs) (laughs) well he might have been the most brilliant uh uh, (laughs) hymn writer of all time but i I, but that story really is is something that i've thought a lot about it's not enough to just simply like i said criticize you have to actually say let me set an example for what this looks like for how you deal with texts and all that um and then the second thing is is that yeah you can't be some sort of a lone ranger i mean um people ask uh anyone who's ever listened to or gone to any sort of pastor's conference, the Q and A's are all full of, how do I know if I'm called? How do I know if I'm called? And one of the things that's interesting is that the word that I use, I think I use it in the email, but the word that I have used like with my wife and in talking about this is I feel conscripted. I have not asked a single person to come. I haven't invited anybody. I I haven't tried to put out any sort of advertisement or do anything. Everyone who has come has come because other people have invited them and because they just, they, they want to be there. And so at some point, you know, um, other Christians need to say, no, you should be doing this, right? I mean, we've been meeting for about a month, maybe, you know, sometime in an open field. And several people came to me afterwards and said, is this just going to end when COVID ends? I, I, I can't, I can't go back to my own my old church like I I can't like we I just want to take my family somewhere where we can hear the gospel there was a family that had already been Mm. left their church because of liberalism and was looking for yeah so so she was like her and her husband were like we like you got to keep doing this Mm. and so so I think that's the thing is like like it'll become apparent whether whether you you know are called to do it or not I mean this didn't start out as something like, "Oh, we're gonna start church." This was one Sunday, um, yeah. and you know, and it went from there. One Sunday in a field. So,
0: well, praise God! I'm I'm so glad, and, and I'm assuming you're not in a field now. It's winter, right? You got a, like a place <laughs> no, to.
1: No, <laughs> we're very much no, we're very much not in a field. Okay, good. Uh, but uh, there's something people should try it on occasion.
0: Just being it's, in a field.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. some of the. Um, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the wonderful things is you, it just comes back to, I think you said this earlier, church becomes what church is supposed to be about.
0: Yeah. I, I actually loved it. Yeah. When we first, you know, when COVID lockdown started there, you know, we, we attended a church a few Sundays that was in a field and you're supposed to do like the driving thing. And like, you just like no one, hardly anyone actually honored it. You know, everyone gets out of their car and they're hanging out anyway. Um, and that it was just, it, I, I had the same sense you're talking about where I'm just like, wow, this is really stripped down, but it, it just felt, I don't know, it was just something about it that was refreshing. So um, yeah, and I, I get what you're saying. Um, now you're, uh, see the location again. I forgot where you are. Uh, Gig Washington Harbor.
1: State. Gig Harbor, Washington State. Okay, yeah.
0: Gig Harbor. So if someone's curious, if they're just in your area, they happen to be listening to this. um, We put your, your blog uh, or the, the the email you wrote, we kind of reworked it into a blog and it's on discerningchristians.com slash blog. Um, You put your email there for people to communicate with you. Any, anywhere else you want to send people if they're interested in, in helping out with the ministry or attending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have a website. Gosh, we don't even have a name yet. So I can't do any of those fancy things. Um, the
0: church at Gig Harbor will be a new testament about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I personally, if they want to contact me, I'm um, I can give them my email and, and I actually just got on Gab about a week ago. Um, so I have what's that. your gab
0: uh, your gab name or screen name, whatever like
1: uh Dirk Wallstead.
0: It's just at Dirk Wallstead. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is your name, so I guess there that's appropriate. <laughs> Um, so, so I'll, I'll put that in the info section as well. If you're on Gab, uh, you can go follow uh, Dirk Wallstead on Gab. You can uh, email him. Um, we'll put that in the info section and, uh, you know, how can we be praying for you as you're continuing forward?
1: Uh, um, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'd say one of the biggest things that the biggest hurdles that the church has, you know, probably in the next number of months is just, um, more defining the leadership. Um, I think that that's, that's, that's a hard thing because a church is not a leadership of one. There's a plurality of leadership. And, and so that's something I've been praying for that, um, that the other men that would clearly be called and, 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 um, as elders that would, that would become clear. And that would be clear to everyone. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to some sort of politics power move, but instead people go, no, these are the, these are the men that should be leading this. And, um, and uh, just you know, it is a it is a grind. So I just pray for um, myself and the other people that um, continue to be faithful. So,
0: well, uh, Dirk, I appreciate you um, being willing to take uh, the time you have and give it to us to uh, hopefully inspire some people out there, maybe to follow in a similar step or give them some direction of, of how they can be thinking about this. Um, You know, uh, check check back in with us, uh, please. You know, let us know kind of how things progress, and you know, maybe maybe it'll even turn into you being full time doing this. I don't know, but uh, sounds like the Lord has His hand on you, and in that area, uh, you know, the church is is still the church is still the church, and that's a beautiful thing to me. That believers are still gathering, they're finding ways to do it. and uh, and you can you can find out more uh, by going to the Discerning Christians uh, website in the info section. Uh, we have uh, Dirk's blog there. And um, uh, as well, uh, we're in beta testing now, but um, I'm going to give some instructions at the end of this video for people who who want to get involved uh, with that. So um, are, are you on it, by the way, yet, Dirk? Or is, do you have a profile there?
1: Yeah, I don't I got I got I, I looked at it the other day, but no, I, I got to create a profile still. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's real simple, obviously, if you looked at it and it'll just basically have a map and it'll be here you are, you know, and other people who kind of agree with the statement of faith are in the same area. But uh, uh, anyway, yeah, we look forward to that. So uh, God bless and um, let us know kind of how things progress.
1: All right. right. Will do. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye now. Well, as I stated in the video, uh, I would really like to elicit your help. And if you could register at discerningchristians.com, it would really help us out perfect this site. What I'm going to do now is give you a little tour of what we have and then explain how you can help us make this better. So we're in beta testing now. doesn't mean you can't sign up, though. I'd, I'd really encourage you to do that. Um, if you, if you're someone who just says, I just want all the kinks worked out first, I want to make sure this is up and running and then I'll sign up. That's fine. But if you want to help us, um, test this thing and get this thing off the ground, I could really use your help. So here's the tour first. Let's, let's just go through this. Um, here's the front page gives you a little information. You can scroll down. We'll have social media and, uh, and up and running. I think you can already sign up for email updates. We don't, we haven't sent any out yet. Um, here's the important part though. You're going to want to just make sure you agree with this, the terms and conditions, and then the statement of faith. Here's the statement of faith it's basic orthodox christianity Uh, if you're you know evangelical charismatic bible church calvinist arminian whatever you should be able to sign this statement now here's the thing though um there there's some language in here and i'm going to read you the strongest part perhaps that rules out social justice stuff and and it and it will rule out cults and that kind of stuff too with some of the other language but here here's what i want to focus on Uh, here's article or or section two, whatever, um, says, I believe in biblical justice and objective truth. Now I'm going to stop. You might think, well, what does that have to do? Why? That's not in most statement of faith, uh, faiths that I read. Well, no, it's not. Um, but the reason that this is in there is because this is where we're being attacked. Biblical justice and objective truth. Now, uh, how is that related to the gospel? Well, if you get justice wrong, I mean, God, Christ died to satisfy God's justice, if you get that wrong, if you don't understand justice correctly, if you understand it incorrectly, you can really warp the gospel. Uh and then objective truth. If you don't believe in objective truth, there is no gospel anyway, right? So these are important things. So here's the that's the positive. Here's the negative. I reject Marxist and postmodern inspired critical theories which contradict Christian doctrine by undermining objective truth, inspiring division in the body of Christ, promoting inequality before the law, and corrupting the gospel. I reject standpoint epistemology, identity politics, socialism, and works righteousness as elements of a social justice religion, which stands opposed to the gospel and teaching of Jesus Christ. All of these elements are backed up biblically, including equality before the law. That's not a, uh, a you know, political concept. That's something that came, uh, you know, originally. It's something that came from Scripture. Came from a basic understanding of what justice is from the Bible. This is this is. As far as I'm concerned, lock tight. And there's more language to that effect in it. So you're going to want to read that. Make sure you agree with it. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go, and I I can log in, but you're going to want to sign up if you haven't. So sign up is very simple. You know, you're just choosing a password and a username. Uh, I'm going to log in. You can put your denominational preference here. And then um, you can put your looking location where you want to find a church, the area you're looking, and then where you live. So I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. Type that in, Lynchburg submit it's there now um i also added an organization here i'm going to show you that Um, if you wanted to add an organization this is actually where some of you who are pastors or have uh, authorization from your church to do this make sure you get permission Um, you can go to create an organization and let's say let's say you're doing a church plant it doesn't come up on whatever this is leaflet or whatever you know if you type in let's say i type in grace bible church um, it's automatically going to start coming up with different grace bible churches well let's say you're not on there Manual entry, manual entry. You're going to put the name Grace Bible Church, where it's located, uh, and then for create position, this is just going to tie you to the church. You know, I'm a layman, let's say, uh, layman. Description: um, I serve on the deacon board. <laughs> you can you can put whatever you want here. Uh, it doesn't have to be specific. You know, I I just want to put this church on the map. You know, and then full time, part time. Now, if you're the pastor, you might want to. I'm the pastor. And here, I'm a full-time pastor there. So, it'll tie you to the organization. Now, I'm going to go to the map here. And the map, uh, as you can see, I'm in the middle of the ocean here. Uh, But if I want to put my looking location, it's going to take me to the Hudson Valley region of New York, where I've already um, put a church that's an organization. Boom. Click on it. There it is. And all you need is the contact info. You don't need anything else. How do you get a hold of this church? They agree to that same statement of faith. Now, if i want to go to my looking location i'm going to click that it's going to take me to where i live lynchburg virginia and uh let's see here i think let's see i'm going to do the search feature i'm not sure why other stuff isn't coming up here's another thing you can do that you can go to the search feature here lynchburg virginia boom uh, i want to search for for people in lynchburg uh, there's someone right there in roanoke steve click on it oh there's his email i can connect with him uh, let's say i'm traveling to south africa South Africa. No, not not that. Hold on. <laughs> That's not South Africa. South Africa. It's going to take me to South Africa. I'm I'm traveling there for the weekend. I want to find a good church. Oh, here here's someone who can help me out. Uh let's say I want to look for a church. I'm going to Keene. I'm just putting in the places I know there's stuff. Keene, New Hampshire. Let's see if there's anyone in Keene, New Hampshire. I'm going to be skiing for the weekend. I'm going to be staying in Keene. Yep, there's a church. Crossway Church. Click on it. There we go. So this is how this works. Um and and I think it's going to be very beneficial. Now, we want your feedback. This is this is why we made this is to be helpful. Uh so you can go to a map, you can you can go to a location and, you know, you can say let me search in a location here. I I have no clue if there's anyone in um in California in this area. Oh, there's someone. No, that's uh, for some reason, I you know what, I think that's why I was having issues earlier. I think uh, my VPN is showing up that this is where I am in, in Los Angeles. Uh, but let's say there was, you know, 30 people in this area and um, uh, Burbank, you know, 30 people in Burbank, we don't have a good church in Burbank. Now I'm not, I'm saying that hypothetically, there probably is a good church in Burbank, but uh, you know, we we want to form one. Uh, you can start connecting with those people if there really are that many people in Burbank. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to popul- start populating this map. Um, and, and then uh, you can connect with people, and uh, here's the important part. We're in beta testing, so what I want you to do is go to the info section of this video, and you're going to see an email there. It'll be on the top uh, for Craig. Craig's the one who's designed this website. Um, he's the one that you wanna thank, first of all. Thank you, Craig, for taking your time, putting this together. Uh, here's a suggestion I have, and, and any suggestions or problems, kinks, things you run into, things that would make the website better, you think, let Craig know. Again, we're not trying to do Facebook. We're just trying to connect people. That's what this is about. Now, here's the, the last feature I'll show you. We are doing a little extra, I guess. We have a blog now. Um, we're going to be wanting people to submit entries for this blog as well. Uh, we have our first one, which is the story of Dick Wallstead. Uh, you can send that to friends. Say, hey, have you thought about maybe planning a church? Here, here's what uh, a layman did. Um, so, so we, we, we are in the process of forming this thing. You can help us out though. So if anyone wants to, to get in the beta testing mode here, uh, put your profile in there, uh, put your church in there or organization, and uh, please, uh, and, and and please don't put your business. By the way, I thought about this. Don't put your business. You know, I have a Christian plumbing company. No, um, you know, we're looking for churches. If you have maybe a seminary or a Bible school or something that you have permission to put in there, you could probably put that in there. But that's that's what this is for. Just so you know. So. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you in, in advance, and God bless.